Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realise I was supposed to speak. It's I, Matthew. And I, Kristen. This is I Like This Thing, your mostly weekly podcast. Where we talk about and promote unironic enthusiasms. I was supposed to open this one and then I said hello and I did completely not respond. Um, yes, uh, today we will be talking again about unironic enthusiasms. I will be talking about a specific YouTuber I have fallen in love with over this Deeply, quarantine. Deeply, passionately uh, in Schlatt. love with for all of you who are listening at home. I'm speaking on Mojo's behalf. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a passionate for that, desire. Yes. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I will be talking about the Frozen 2 soundtrack. <laughs> which For which you also have a passionate desire. Uh, it's more of a, a sort of existential despair. I would like to take uh, complete credit for your love for that soundtrack, <clears> by the way. No, you don't, you don't get complete credit. Part credit goes to my friend Cordelia, who is not actually called Cordelia, but requested that she get a shout out under the name Cordelia. Cordelia, you know who you are. Big love. No one else knows who you are. Well, that's the, that's so, the point. <laughs> well, no, I know, but the shout-out seems mildly... Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, this is absolutely all over the place. Great. This so, is great. Do you have a joke for us? Uh, I No, but I do have a, a brief story that I wanted to share, actually. Um, so... You know, in in the process of kind of setting up this podcast, there's a lot of sort of making accounts and usernames and, oh, is this handle available on Twitter? And, oh, I've made us a Gmail account and all of that. Um, and I use basically the same password for, like, everything, right? Um, but I kind of change the number of letters at the end, so it's all coded depending on what kind of website it is. So it's never, like, the same password. But I was like... But it's, it's always the same, like... Like original idea, but it's yeah, just a little yeah. bit changed, um, right? Which is probably yeah. a terrible way to do it, and I know I need to. Oh yeah, for sure. Invest in a. It absolutely should not be something that is recommended to anyone. But go <laughs> yeah, for it. Um, but you know, for making all the kind of I like this thing podcast branded um, accounts, I was like, mm, I should use a neutral, um, a neutral password, something, something that's like good and secure and not linked to all my other passwords. Um, something really meaty that like nobody would automatically associate with it so like obviously like not our names um and so when i was making the gmail account i was like trying to think of something random that would be like you know easy to remember but but not easy to guess you know the kind of standard stuff and i was like oh i know it would be funny what if i said uh beef stew but I couldn't use that one because apparently it's not strong enough. <laughs> I hate you so much. Can we read? Can we redo this recording? No. I'm, 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 this is like this our is so fifth bad. attempt at a start. Excuse you. That was a. Su- you spent that long with that setup. That was a superb setup. I improvised that. I made that joke. Give me some credit here. Come I'm really. On. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> okay. Well. I, I don't know. I don't know what you'd say, Kristen. I'm so defeated. <laughs> um, oh, boy. I was like, where is this going? I, I, had to, I swear she hasn't told me this story before. <laughs> and I was genuinely didn't expect you to come up with a joke until it came to this sort of... You know that feeling when you listen to a piece and it starts to come to work like an end and you're like, oh, I know where this is going now. Yeah, okay. it's like you've got a f- um, like a massive wasp on your window and you're like shaking with terror and you're descending with a cup. And you, you go as slowly as you possibly can because you don't want to alert the wasp to your presence. But then in the final moments, you have to move really quickly. That was what that, yeah. that set up. I'm glad I am the wasp in this analogy. <laughs> was like, um, no, yeah, maybe you are the wasp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm severely disappointed in you. Let's go. Excellent. <laughs> You're going first. So take it away. Let's get over this podcast. Right. Tell yeah, us Crystal, about a question the love first. of your life. Oh, OK. Yeah. Would you rather oh no have unlimited bacon <laughs> and no games or games unlimited games uh, and no game and no games <laughs> oh it hurts i can't believe that you have the audacity to nail me for telling a slightly corny joke 
and then you open your segment with flipping bacon, <laughs> but no games or no, 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 unlimited would you rather games. Have unlimited bacon, but no, no games. <laughs> We've lost or games. everybody, by the way. <laughs> Unlimited games, uh, but, but no, no games. games. <laughs> oh, boy. In previous episodes of the pod, uh, my dear co-host and brother and friend, Matthew, here, um, accused me of singing a Bill Wirtz riff repeatedly over the course of a week to the point where it was driving him up the wall. I would like to now counter that by saying that he has used this stupid bacon uh, games no games you've never you've never answered me <laughs> has there ever been a need to would you rather have unlimited bacon but no games or unlimited games but no I games? would rather that it stopped <laughs> I would also like to clarify to everyone that after the conversation so this is a big down, like down low conversation to begin with this mm-hmm. podcast, but um, that after the question about lasagna that oh, happened last that week and the general iconic. uproarious nature of that episode, mm-hmm. um, I realised that the majority of the questions that I had built up for Kristen here for the for the you know this sort of general I'm going to bring this new thing to the the table um, was actually all flawed by her vod logic because it was all that sort of deliberate binary which made no sense so the exact same answer was always going to come there's just going to be a different medium through which that was expressed so i hate um, to prove you right by countering you here but i think i <laughs> okay. think that dismantling that kind of question in a sort of slightly pretentious but mostly fun way i think that's great i don't think that gets old i think it changes because the question changes i think that's true to the extent of us but i think to to an audience, it just sounds like the same question being pitched, no, but no, in a different lens. This is what you, thought, you think all of my jokes are the same joke just because the style and the sense of humour is the same. Also, um, the joke that I opened this podcast with, by the way, was uh, donated to me by two very lovely friends, um, which is why it doesn't follow my usual formula. If I had been telling that story, I would have said something like, so then I made my, my password... <laughs> uh, 1996 me and it wasn't strong enough because that's a really bad part and that would have been that would, i would have found that really funny yeah, but that's the problem oh man anyway uh, i think we i think we enabled each other in our we're humor. eating into so, your time point... here and you're not getting it back by the way so you've lost four minutes no i know <laughs> but I, I was gonna I, was, I mean i don't mind my yeah. topic's kind of small today cool. but the the point the point I was going to provide this was because my que- next question, and I'm going to tell it to you now, um, was is, it was another age-old internet question of, is cereal soup? Oh, I love this discourse. Oh, you can't just... Um, oh, okay. Oh, I want to... Okay. Because, <laughs> no, I know, look for it. I think, I think we no, should. No, you're going to talk about schlatt. I think we can talk about schlatt a different time. Oh. I think we can talk about is cereal or soup and now, right Jeez. now. Schlatt, to be fair, schlatt would be proud. <laughs> Schlatt loves these. It's literally the reason I have these questions is because of Schlatt. So I don't, I don't know where you're coming from. Oh, man. I don't think we've clarified yet that this ridiculous bacon or games question is from Schlatt. Jay Schlatt. Still, still, haven't, answered, still haven't answered me either. Uh, so I'm still waiting yeah, no, for an answer on that one as well. I'm not going to get an answer because I need to think about it. No, I would definitely rather the chaos of the second one where things are in a constant state. Unlimited of, of, games, but no games. Both, of both being and unbeing. There and not there. Schrodinger's <laughs> games. <laughs> Schrodinger's bacon, but no games. <laughs> this conversation makes no sense. We can't release this to the public. Yes, we absolutely can. Uh, no, I think... It's just us having a fever dream about bacon, but... No. I think it's you having a fever dream, my dear. Um, I think <sighs> we come back to the cereal soup discourse... At the end of the podcast, and you talk about Schlatt yeah. for a bit. Yeah, okay, sounds good. Right, anyway, <laughs> yes, my my topic this week is about Jay Schlatt. Who's Jay Schlatt? Okay, thank you, wacky <laughs> podcast voice. I'm going, to, I'm going to explain, I promise, I promise. Um, <laughs> Jay Schlatt is a, is a YouTuber a man, who... A hunk of a man. 
um, the, the man, the myth, the legend, I'm the YouTube icon, some would say. Emulating Matthew's inner dialogue here. A hunk of a man. Yeah, a exactly. gorgeous, gorgeous, mutton-chopped <laughs> god amongst men. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> right. Jay Schlatt is an American YouTuber um, who, who he, he mostly plays video games for his videos, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's like, that's, you know, I, I watch a lot of gaming videos. That's kind of the main content I consume upon YouTube. And it's a, um, it's a huge industry, much, so, you know. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's massive. Um, but he has very much stuck out to me uh, recently. Um, I think one of the main reasons for this is that we're not really going to properly get into this right now because it's a whole different conversation. But a lot of YouTube and I guess social media in general has been swept recently with this notion of like cancel culture, mm. um, which is an entirely different beast, which we don't really want to get into right now. But um, Schlatt very much has been a really healthy character for that. That's um, interesting. In because, what way? Because Schlatt keeps on trying to be cancelled for things he says. Oh, like um, intentionally? Yeah, exactly. Um, but not in the sense where he's like anywhere meaning it, um, but in the sense that it's just like he's poking fun at the whole notion of cancel culture, mm. um, which is not to say that the idea of cancel culture or like the, the intent behind it is anything which is entirely malicious, which sometimes is, I do understand that. But um Again, not getting into that fully, but like his his ability to like stand on a on a, on a platform and say, "Hey, no, wait, hold on, let's we can still laugh at this," mm. um, and actually be able to provide that space to be like, "Look, even if we can still do it, and sometimes it's helpful, like it's still there's still parts of it like an integral to the the whole system which are funny and things that we can actually you know make fun of." Um, uh, there's there's very much a sense about Schlatt because Schlatt is a very ironic YouTuber, yes, right? Yes, he's um, deep like he in exists irony. in this sense of like this, like yeah, exactly. He's this referential, deeply ironic, like this massive. So I think I think the way to describe Schlatt is that he has a lot of personas that he provides. Um, he like provides this sort of sense of being like this really loud, boisterous, obnoxious, like funny Minecraft player essentially, or he like, or he's this very like down to earth so he has this, he has this another youtube channel which is much smaller called the weekly slap um where he sits and like just talks to people so people email him and say hey i have this issue and he sits down yeah, like an agony aunt some old column, video games. But for the new generation yeah, exactly literally um that's cool he sits there for like eight ten minutes and just chats to them about it like in a like i don't know man i'm just i'm pretty much the same age as you but this is what yeah. i would Isn't do he like um, 20 yeah he's 21 he's only like 11 months this, older than for me. For context, guys, guys being our audience, um, <laughs> guys, gals, non-binary pals. Thank you, Thomas. Jay uh, Schlatt it, does not look 21. He has... He used, he used he, to. He used to look really I young. I swear to God, the man rocks actual mutton chops. Yeah, and he, he, he rocks does. them too. Like, it's not he looks dreadful ironic. without them. My word, I saw a picture of him without facial hair. I don't know, I don't know about that. A lot of people, day, a lot of people like, disagree with that notion, actually. No, I, I don't think I'll ever be able a lot of, to a lot take people him prefer him. any other way. Well, I know you prefer him. <laughs> Stop making those jokes. Where has where is this notion come from? Hold on, can we, can we take this back for a second? Where, I don't love them. Oh, I do love the man, you but not do. in that way. No, no, but one can be passionately in love with someone in a deeply platonic way. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, that's, I mean, actually, that actually helps me segue in a very ironic way. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Schlatt, Schlatt um, has recently been dealing with the controversy of a YouTuber who's gone down very recently called Carson, um, or Call Me Carson, which, who, essentially, there were large amounts of harassment allegations that were provided against mm, him. Very um, solid ones. This. Yeah, really strong ones, and and ones which have been proven true. And his his silence since then has been very much confirming of that. Um, and Schlatt's been one of the people who's handled that really, really well. Um, the weekly slap, as I was mentioning earlier, he released his first video on there for like since since like a year ago. Yeah. Um, which essentially was like, here's the situation. I was a good friend. Here's how it's playing out now. This sucks. We all know. Um, and like he talked about it seriously and down to earth. He didn't like play it off or was like, oh, he's a good friend. So, you know, it's all fine. He like sat down and talked about it and why and what he was doing about it and his side of the story. It's really admirable, um, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, the whole 
the whole side of him which is just much more down to earth is really really cool like i find the side of him which is really funny and really like entertaining and like has has all these different like as i say personas that he like he takes it on board and really really like goes to town with he like really takes them to their extreme mm. um really funny and i find that side of him really good but i also absolutely adore that he can at the end of the day sit down and be like also i'm gonna do Let's this be real for a minute um, yeah yeah, I think it's really healthy that he can do both sides because I think some people who don't know that side of him are like, is he being serious? Is he? That's joking? definitely where I was about... at for the first like couple weeks of oh, being yeah, aware that's, of that's him. That's really common. That's really really common for him. I think because um, because you can believe that, and I wouldn't be surprised because like there's no other reason you would believe that unless you actively yeah. searched out why. And not many people are going to be like, oh well, I didn't like this one specific video, so I'm going to well, go I search think up everything. If, if about I can them. Inter- interject for a sec, um, I think that like. He's one of those kind of rare beasts who is like effortlessly funny, and so it comes across yeah, really so comes much across so. very much like you know I don't care if you don't like what I'm doing because actually like his personas don't feel like personas. It doesn't feel like he's like putting on a show. It feels like he's being genuine, which at first can be quite wrong footing. But actually, I think once, because uh, I remember you showed me a couple of videos from the thingy, slap thingy, um, <clears throat> and I remember being like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, actually, he is he is yeah. self-aware. He's just He's really so good yeah, at like, what he does that it doesn't seem like he possibly could be. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. He's one of those characters who's, like, recently arrived on the internet. Well, not recently, but he's been on the internet for a while. And he's been making a lot of videos for a while, but... Um, like he's one of those characters who's become big on the internet recently yeah. um, and it's one of those characters I think that we've been talking about this quite a lot on calls recently because we Kristen and I we have a lot of calls where we sit and chat um, and like work or like we watch videos as, as she said it's it's it's, it's very fun um, mm. and uh, we talk a lot about the, this notion of like YouTube as a whole um, and like these characters and I think Schlatt is one of them who have been growing up with YouTube Um and I very much think he's one of those characters. Um, people respond in different ways. And you were talking about Jojo Siwa the, a few weeks ago. Um, and like the notion of like how she was raised on the internet and how she's so, become so well adapted to it because it's just something she is. Yeah, her and James Charles the being the first moguls of yeah. the internet generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see that coming across from uh, all facets of internet right now. Mm. But um, that's very definitely one of those. Um, there's very much a sense like... When you say to someone, like, oh, he's a gaming YouTuber, the notion comes together that he's like, oh, he does these Let's Plays. Yeah. He does this very tired, old, bored formula of, like, yeah. just this notion of just, oh, you pick up the new game, you play it, and then you go back to whatever game you were playing yeah. beforehand until the next one comes out, and you just chat about it. And yeah. it's this really, really dull, monotonous kind of level of work. Yeah, and it, and you kind of assume, um, like, oh, he'll be a quiet, introverted nerd in his parents' basement if you're going to go all the way back. Yeah. <clears throat> Which... Whilst- Slat is like the entire opposite of that character. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons he's so eye-catching to me anyway is because he takes that old tired formula, like that beaten horse of the sort of game, you know, YouTube, um, and he just he flips it on its head, he inverts it, and it's it's so good. Um, I do think there's something to be said for the fact that because I have been on that area of burnt-out YouTube and game YouTube where they, they just sit and talk about the same thing, uh, finding him for me specifically was like oh that's a that's a moment of like fresh air like like that's that's something completely changing because i've spent so long on there this is really good for me like i think other people would not find that as refreshing as i did um but he's been so helpful for me recently like his videos both serious and funny have just been like the exact thing i needed from youtube right now um and I think another thing to be said for for Schlatt, like removing from his funny videos, his, his his good videos, his bad videos, like his community, the people yes, he has around him are really, say, really good. Yeah. Um, like the people that he has surrounded himself with or the people that he's essentially brought with him, because a lot of big YouTubers right now are able to be like, this person, I'm going to talk about them a lot. And mm. then suddenly they have a career too. That's really cool. That is really cool. Um, but Schlatt's like, friends and the people that he's able to connect with and actually you know talk to are a very numbered he's really good at connect like connections and like what that uh, that sense of just um you know using youtube as a platform to actually you know establish a sense of career um but also like 
just the videos that he has with friends. So he has a podcast, right? Um, which is what I was referencing earlier uh, with the bacon and games bit mm-hmm. uh, where he does this bit uh, in a would you rather where he says that uh, line um, and it's with two of these other YouTuber friends that he has. And this, that podcast is hilarious. I think it's currently my favorite What's podcast. Just um, The Chuckle Sandwich podcast. To all of our many listeners, uh, go check them out. Give them some love. <laughs> yeah, only, only if you think you would enjoy it because some of you I know you probably wouldn't. That, but, that um, was a joke like, about the fact that we have exactly three listeners and at least two of them are yeah, our exactly. mother it's me you and then uh, <laughs> our editors true, true. five <laughs> uh, shout out to the editors oh, by the way thank out. you go check um, them out on monkey hill media it's just a big shout out podcast episode but that's fine um anyway I, yeah i i don't think there's there's much to be said specifically um if you really want like the quintessential jay schlatt video and i think this is a really important video in his history um I would say check out his video, A Tribute to Minecraft. Mm. Um, like, as much as like, oh, you know, it's Minecraft. He's talking about Minecraft again. Like, I get that I've been talking about this a lot recently. A, it's important to me right now. <laughs> and B, this video is entirely removed from that. This came out like two years ago, almost three years ago. And I I watched it back then. And it was, it's such a good video. Like, let alone it being this sort of, oh, like, Oh, it's about Minecraft. He's being a gaming YouTuber. It's also just this sort of like this walkthrough of this personal view, which I think resonates with a lot of people, which is why it did so well about like how he himself perceives Minecraft and how he's watched it evolve into what it is now. Um, Obviously, with the more recent resurgence of Minecraft, he's not quite captured that with the video, but that's not what's important about the video. He very much captures what Schlatt is in a more serious sense. Um... Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of him right now. Um, I look forward to every time a new video of his drops in my sub box on YouTube <laughs> because it's just, oh, just something I'm that. like, oh, yeah. Because he, he, he releases like small, like six minute story time videos or like some games that he plays with friends, like Jack's Box videos, which is like a little small game where you get online and make these like little, it's like Pictionary or like mm. draw these things or something. And he sits with friends for like, you know, a three hour recording session and then makes this 20 minute video of it, which is really funny. Like... It's just a it's just a really good time, and it, I think it's given me that sense of a like friendship, which is I found online, but also b like that sense of just being really really humane, um, and in that sense that I like Schlatt is really good at showing all sides of himself rather than just that sort of one YouTuber mm, side, because yeah. a lot of YouTubers they have that sense that like there's there's the act up online and then there's the removed sense of self. Like we, you take away that side when you go online. <laughs> um, but I think uh, Schlatt is uh, doing a really good job. I'm not saying that obviously he puts everything online cause I really don't think he does, yeah. but, um, but like, I think he's much better at being honest and open and like, there's, it's not just an act, you know? Um, one last thing I want to talk about with that, which I think is really important. Sorry, I know that no, I'm go now it. talking quite a bit. Mister, um, there's that... not much to say. <laughs> Sorry, I get really passionate about it's him. It's great. Um, um, there's, the, with the controversy that was mired around um, Carson, there's been this whole upbringing of, of, not upbringing, like this whole sudden resurgence of the idea of like YouTubers and this parasocial relationship which exists online with those kind of content creators um, and like talking about why that's unhealthy. And I think he's been one of the people who's best addressed that. Um, Like he has been really good about being like, hey, by the way, I'm not your friend. Like, like I know it seems so much more like it than any other like thing that you watch. Like if you watched a movie, obviously you're not friends like Matthew McConaughey. Uh, You don't know my life. I'm very sorry. I know you're a huge fan of Interstellar. Um, I've literally uh, never seen Interstellar, but Matthew McConaughey and I are Snapchat buddies. We have a streak of four years. Got a streak. You just send S to each other. Um, Wake up, go, hello, Matthew. Uh, (laughs) It's a dumb bit. I don't know why we continue to do it. But um, that that notion of being like, obviously, because you have much more of a connection with them, you subscribe to them, you like them, you, like literally you comment on their, their videos, like you follow them on social medias, you are able to talk at yeah. them. Um, but there's a there's a huge distance between being able to talk at them and them talking back to you in a friend kind mm. of way. 
like like a content creator can respond to you and it will make your day because like the person that you love has essentially recognized your existence right yeah indeed yeah um but he's been really really good about being like hey i love this job i absolutely adore it i'm so glad you guys have given me a platform um also like we don't know each other i'm sorry but we don't it's true um and like walk like because a lot of youtubers tend to like ignore that and like hide under the radar and be like oh well that would just make them feel a bit more alienated towards yeah. me so I'm just not going to address so it's that. this kind of weird um, dynamic of like oh I love you so much you guys are always here for me I'm always there for you and it's like well even though there's like millions of you and also I don't know any of you by name exactly. but like haha um, but he's he's been really good about being really upfront about that mm. um, and I think he kind of had to be given the new the new stories but like simultaneously a lot of people when those things happen, like go down with the ship. Um, and like, he's been really good about being like, this is, <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah. And I know that. Um, and it's okay to be able to denounce him for this. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think he's just been really important for me, both in, both in comedy and like an entertainment sense, but also like, I don't know, you know, often, oftentimes online, you find people that you aspire to be in the sense of like maturity and mm. like, someone that you want to like follow suit for um i think he's very much helped in that sense of like understanding like behavior online and being healthy about that yeah um because that's a really important thing yeah um, nicely put and that's a whole another topic but he's he's been really good for that and i i and i like this thing <laughs> we really got to come up with a way to end our segments <laughs> we do which doesn't just say our podcast <laughs> Um, and I like this thing, episode seven. So. <laughs> um, yeah, love that for you. Amazing. I, this week, am talking about the Frozen 2 soundtrack. Such a banger. Absolutely. Just packed full of tunes. It's actually not packed full of tunes. I think there are some... It's not. It's really... It's like two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> packed full of two tunes. So packed. Both both Adina Menzel. Uh, yeah. So Ob's Frozen happened and the world was beleaguered for many, many moons with every possible version of Let It Go. Do you remember that time we went to go see The Lion King and what's his name? Zazu, when he's singing to Scar, yes. when he's trapped with him, <laughs> you know, they change it on the West End and he did Let It Go as the song that he sings, yeah. which goes Scar going anything but that. <laughs> Yeah, that song was huge. I'm sure I don't need to remind any of our our dear listeners about that particular era of our lives. Frozen came out when I was in sixth form. I remember watching it the night of our Leavers Ball, I think. Me and my kind of wonderful, wonderful group of very lovely friends all went back to one of our friends' house and we ate pizza and watched Frozen and it was the best possible way to celebrate ending school. A great time. Uh, except I think I got so, because I'd never seen it before, I got so upset when Hans did his Hans thing that I think I threw one of my shoes Spoilers. at a television. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good times. I, I would like to, I would like just to, to butt in for a second and say that... Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it go. Deserved being oh, renowned. It's a yeah. It's an absolute. Maybe not bop. as tired as it was. Yeah. It, it's well. I mean, it that's, was so that's good. the complaint. Really, it got done to death, didn't it? And so I think there was this kind of um, this very much like a need or a, or a awareness of like how do you how could you possibly follow that like not just kind of theatrically speaking but musically speaking like making frozen 2 must have been a hella daunting task because if you don't have at least something that is like at least as popular or as absolutely rock solid as let it go then have you really made frozen 2 it's it's not possible to live up to the expectation because you made perfection right yeah but well it wasn't it wasn't perfect but you know what i yeah. mean like in the eyes of let it go like how on earth do you top that yeah indeed so and you know there's a reason i'm not talking about the film i'm talking about the soundtrack because i liked the film yeah but you liked it it wasn't anything more than that i liked it i didn't even like it in a i like this thing kind of way i just liked it which for me is possibly a, uh, a damning <laughs> indictment yeah indeed 
lol talk about damned by faint praise but um i so i i love elsa i love elsa as a character yeah i like anna literal queen (laughs) (laughs) shut up i like anna and i think i'm too much like her to really like her I think I kind of go, oh, woman, you're loud and bouncy and annoying and you sing too much. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> but moving on from that. <laughs> how, are we, how are we supposed to address that? I'm just, just going to sail through. Really self-deprecating. Yeah, I just, I just don't like that about myself. Anyway, moving oh, no, on. You know, there's like looking at a, a really gorgeous photograph of yourself and going, oh, beautiful and then there's looking at the actual mirror and being like ah oh, oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> love yourself i do i do uh how have we ended up here i was gonna talk about elsa okay so sorry i love elsa because she you know is, is that classic fairy tale thing of like <laughs> being desperately repressed for her entire life and then violently thrust into an arena of discovering that she's actually incredibly powerful and has never had any support or training and i don't know like just the kind of classic narrative like character arc of being denied the i'm not going to go into a character analysis where are you you going with this (laughs) so okay i had one desire when I sat down with you and that other poor kid at our house to watch Frozen 2. And I said this to you, I was like, I've been avoiding watching this film for like a year uh, because, frankly, I didn't have time. I know that sounds ridiculous, like everybody has time in a year to watch Frozen 2, but when you're doing a Cambridge degree, you kind of don't. Uh, but I'll fight about that later. Yeah, literally sparing 90 minutes is is hard for you. So Elsa's powers make her like more than human. She's literally a, like a superhero figure. And I love moments in that kind of show. Show I was thinking of WandaVision just then because I think this does a similar thing. Um, of like when you see someone who is more than human actually shed the illusion of humanity. Like when they're using their magic in a way which is really other and alien and like superbly powerful and beautiful and like this is unlike anything an actual human person can do and for a minute they become something more than human which is kind of like on like a narrative level like a kind of extension and augmentation of the human because that's why we tell ourselves these stories yeah because they they retain the same sense of the personality but they become something greater than themselves right yeah so in a kind of mythological language you know it's this moment where elsa is like becomes her truest like elsa-ness and that is all i wanted from frozen 2 i just wanted to see elsa being elsa and you assured me that it was there and i was like well i was specifically thinking of the scene where she like tries to go past the water i'm built i'm building up to this so um the two songs that if you have been living under a rock you should definitely go listen to are called into the unknown and show yourself and into the unknown is the first moment of the movie where you kind of go oh yes elsa get in and it's this kind of you know this haunting like she's hearing this kind of vocal call in the distance that she can't ignore and even though she's more like happy and secure and grounded than she ever has been in her life at this point she can't help but acknowledge the fact that actually that like there's something else in her you have a really interesting take on musically what's going on here because i i don't know if all of you who've seen frozen 2 that kind of that call she does the like four note ah, and then like the kind of call that comes back from the beyond um which like answers it and it kind of builds this call and response motif that happens throughout the movie i think an an important piece of backstory here for me and frozen 2's music specifically is that i went to go see this movie in the cinemas with my girlfriend and when we went to go see it it, we went to go see a different movie but nothing else was playing so we went to just go see frozen 2 instead and ended up really enjoying it because it's a banger I think one of the things you've forgotten to include first off is is christoph's song where they sort of imitate all the the boy bands (laughs) um which is such an aesthetic. I, I love mean, it, and I know you're going to talk 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 against it, so I'm just going to keep speaking. Um, no, I it's 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 not just boy bands; it's Queen specifically. specifically. Queen, yeah. 
Um, yeah. They, they do the whole Bohemian also, Rhapsody like head figuration. Calling calling Queen a boy band is is the dodgy take we didn't know we needed, but carry on. Um, <laughs> You're not technically wrong. Um, I mean, yes, by, by nature they are a band who are also made up of boys. Although... I think I would most I would maybe I'd call them a man band. Yeah. Like Freddie Mercury is the only man. Yeah, true. The only one we we stand uh, anyway. Ever. So I came back from this is I watched I, I watched this in my first year of university studying music. Um and I was so inspired by it that I wrote for my for my personal tutor in uh, a mock essay about the notion of this four note motif being similar to that of a Wagnerian light motif, which, because <laughs> I am myself and that's how I operate. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just in case you don't know us and you're listening to this, <laughs> this is what we're like in real life. Um, so I didn't, you know, have any word limit or any like de- deliberate need to cite anything, but I wrote about like a thousand, thousand two hundred words. Um, mm. on the notion of Wagnerian leitmotifs. And just to give a brief context of Wagnerian leitmotifs, they refer to the notion of objects or some kind of actual entity within the operas being recognised or acknowledged through these kind of four-note, six-note motifs which you would hear. Um, mm. And the different takes upon them would create different contexts within which you hear them. So if you hear them in this majestic sort of brass kind of chord, it'd be this big triumphant kind of feeling. Or if you hear them in this downbeat sort mm. of sad lower strings, it'd be very much a much more melancholic feeling. Um, yeah. And that would represent where in the narrative sense we are hearing and understanding those things to be. So stuff that you would hear it like like the sword motif, which got very, very, very 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 small picture and i essentially provided this context that this four note motif the one in frozen is supposed to represent the narrative sense of of elsa's storyline being this as you say like it it sort of blooms and blooms and it suddenly flowers right at the end of the story yeah yeah and like the whole notion of the motif is that it doesn't resolve so specifically within music a resolution is the notion that it that the chord five has moved to the chord one and the piece feels finished right Mm. Um, and the ending. Yeah. So when when you're talking about resolution, you're you're not talking about that in like a kind of metacritical sense, no, no, but like a, a, a literal specifically musical, a musical theoretical sense. sense. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And and the the resolution it ends on a five of the four note motif, um, and well, it ends on a seven, but that's that's the part of a chord five, um, and it leads you the ear to go back to the one. Um, mm-hmm. And the response when finally finished, and it took me so long to feel completed with this movie because it, I had to listen to the whole thing again to be like, ah, oh, finally I get resolution, um, is in mm. Show Yourself, um, mm. which is really, really interesting um, because it essentially means that they've deliberately taken this notion of this prolonged musical suspense. And, and composers do this all the time. They take this notion of, yeah. of like a like a harsh dissonance which the ear hears and wait for it to be the time of a narrative resolution for the ear to finally hear that come to full circle um that's so cool um, and and like obviously movie composers specifically have to be like this because they have to write to the story there's no other reason for the the music to be there other than to aid the story Mm. it's audiovisual music it's not just specifically for the audio there's a very different feeling though when it's a song so the ability for Mm. them to do this within a soundtrack which is not only about songs, but also has to fill in the time for the rest of the hour and a half. Yeah. And provide that backing where they have literally subliminally implied these kind of um, like narrative dissonances throughout these leitmotifs. I don't know. I feel like I've taken over your side. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> no, this was entirely, it's my plan all um, along, my dear. <laughs> that's just my podcast now. Um, but like <laughs> that, it's really cool. Um, I got a 2-1 on this essay, really by the cool. way, because he said this was great, but it was on Frozen Sick. 2. So, I mean, <laughs> so that's that, that's where that stands. Put them in um, the bin. On a final point of this, like those light motifs, they were handled so well. And mm. when, when they finally come to the resolution, it's that feeling of like, oh, like this genuinely does feel like a moment of arrival in music. And that's really important in, yeah. in light motifs as yeah. well, because especially Wagner and his, and his like, understanding of motifs, he has this uh, this theory called unlick, unendlich melody. Which... Uh, means uh, you unendingly lick. <laughs> I mean, melody. I mean, you're joking, but it's pretty much you. It's an unending melody, and the <laughs> melody never stops. 
like once the piece starts nice. you never have a break like in a mozartian sort of aria or opera buffet as they call it like the notion nice. of aria or recitative that's a stop start stop start kind of thing where like a piece starts right starts and stops starts and stops starts and stops until the end of the end of the opera uh, mm. Wagner's sense of opera was it starts and then it goes until it stops and Wagner's renowned already for being a long like long long opera writer yeah um, so especially his ring cycle like the the ones that are played um yeah like sometimes you think your washing machine cycles are long yeah <laughs> that was so good <laughs> I'm so proud of you um that, like, thanks like there's like a 16 hour long ring cycle and sometimes they just don't stop um and that's mm. very much similar to the sense of a, of a movie by the way, because the movies never stop having a soundtrack. Mm. And they have this thing called successive rather than um, sectioned progressions, which is what happens when music just goes. Like the music mm. never itself has a, has a point of resolution. Obviously there are resolutions internal to the music, but like within the music, yeah. you, it, it will re- resolve and it will immediately move on because they can't stop. And like there are obviously mm. moments in a soundtrack where you know things go silent to emphasize specific moments or like to allow more space for the, the characters to speak. Um, mm. But it's very much more about how well that motif is implemented, not only into the songs, in a narrative sense, but also into the score in a narrative sense and how over the scope of the movie, like, as I was saying earlier, what context they're in provides when we should be understanding that to be within Elsa's narrative framework. Right. So, like, if it's earlier on and it's in that sense in... It, what's, what's the first one called? Uh, of Brian into Mantel. the Unknown? Yeah, Into the Unknown. Like, that's a yeah. very much... Like, they're providing that as a sort of starting base work, you know, foundation of the leitmotif. Yeah. Um, and that's when we first hear it. And it's all over the place. That's really cool as well. Sorry to just interrupt, because this isn't just happening on a subliminal, like, complementary level, as in, like, she's talking about a thing and and talking about going off into the unknown and also this leitmotif is happening. Like, the motif is part of the narrative yeah. she can hear the motif yeah, the, the, the motif is an that's existent an amazing... thing it's not just an idea yeah exactly yeah um because the whole that's the whole, i hadn't appreciated that before that's so the cool. whole notion by the way for for listeners love you to death is the is the notion that the like the voice in her head which is singing this motif is the thing she is trying to understand yeah and it's not like there's this notion in in movie music called diegetic music, which is essentially music which is off screen, but we as the un- we as the viewers understand it to be something which is within the actual yeah, universe. Yeah, you get you get diegetic layers in in like literature yeah, and, and exactly. film and all sorts. Um, yeah, yeah. And but this music isn't that. It's literally in <laughs> it's in the universe, and you can see it as the listener happening yeah. to Elsa because she like responds to it in in into the unknown. Yeah. She like watches it's like it. like in Baby Driver, like the soundtrack is actually yeah because he's listening to it yeah exactly he's listening to it yeah and so like from that point onwards by the way if you watch the movie you notice that it's never played before then mm. unless i think there's a specific scene where it's just elsa and you get to hear her listen to it i don't i don't remember exactly i don't remember how the essay went anymore um but like essentially as i'm saying that in sort of a sense of a successive progression of music and also in the sense of narrative of Elsa like the music follows that it's a parallel line yeah. like, as the music swells or like like it falls so does Elsa's storyline yes and I very much think there's a sense of like you know obviously as you were saying Frozen 2 is much more about Elsa and Frozen 1 is much more about Anna well well uh, yeah, yes yeah, but you know what I mean Frozen 2 musically alone focuses upon Elsa because Anna I'm gonna be honest her songs are not great I'm just, just going just no, to put it out they're there. They're completely thoroughly forgettable. Yeah. I, in fact, was listening to the Fro- Frozen 2 soundtrack today and I can't remember what they're called. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, you know, they're perfectly fine. They're not bad songs. They're not going to be bad songs. But Adina Menzel mm. alone carries that soundtrack. Oh, Her voice is does. so perfect for that. But not even just the power, the ability to control the much more intimate moments. I think what actually defines her as a good singer in that moment. Because like mm. her ability to rise and become this glorious singer is is so phenomenal, right? And it's so yeah. well known that when she's a deeply theatrical, yeah, performer, well, absolutely, it's um, amazing. But but I think it's then in the moments where she's able to be this quiet little like intimate singer. So right at the beginning of Show Yourself, yeah. she is this sort of breathy, excited singer, and you as the like listener get to hear her mm. physically become more excited throughout the song because her character is suddenly learning that oh wait, she actually 
is this entity of power and yeah. like she is born yeah. in, in Atahol and whatever the storyline is but like she she does ex- experience that sense of of that you know I don't know she understands that she herself is the power which she's supposed to be looking for yeah that line I am the one I've been waiting for all of my yeah. life I, oh the final point I want to make here is which is something we haven't even addressed but yet but like is so important in, in Disney music is the orchestration man <laughs> that orchestration uh-huh. is bonkers it's so good the first time I, I the first time I watched Frozen 2 I cried right and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a normal cinema moviegoer crier I, I do that a lot but I normally do that to like a like a sad plot line or like something happening which is deliberately supposed to be you know you know in the sense in movies where they're like oh this is the scene where everyone cries like we're all gonna cry now and we're gonna keep long awkward pauses between the dialogue because no one will be able to hear it yeah, exactly because we're, we're literally making space for you to, to genuinely just be sobbing in the background yeah yeah um, I was just, just the dude, the dude from Shrek, just holding up a placard, He's saying, like, "Cry, yeah, cry." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just crying to orchestration. I know this is a very specific thing to Such me. Such a nerd, I but, love you. Um, we were, we were as a house recently watching. Uh, we watched Ratatouille, great movie, Excellent. and we watched what was the one we watched? We watched Tangled, Tangled more specifically for this one, but oh, absolutely, both, superb both great film. movies. Um, but I was because I've seen these movies a lot, like I know them. Well, especially Tangled, like in, Inside Out. Not the movie Inside Out, but I know Tangled well. Um, and <laughs> Funny. That was good. That was a really well joke. Really well joke. Really well done joke. Really well like, joke. Keep it in, editors. Me and, me and the boys having in. a really well joke. Like the orchestration within those movies, I never noticed it before, but I've been listening specifically this time round. It's really good. It's really good. Nice. Disney Pixar orchestration is genuinely, I think, one of the top levels of orchestration we currently have. Which is bizarre because Disney and Pixar are like unheard of. They're these tiny indie corporations with no backing, no funding, no no contacts. My point, sardonically, unkindly, uh, being you'd kind of hope that it yeah, was no. top. Like. Quality, I, I often I often pose this question, Disney. right? Like when someone is like, "Oh, that's the, this game or this movie, you know, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, had such great music, and I'm like, "When does anything like which is well produced by a big AAA team now have bad music?" Like music itself is never really going to be bad anymore. There are enough composers and producers right now for the much it's to be so oversaturated industry. Um, yeah, like. The question about music now is not whether it is well done, but about whether it is memorable. Um, Ooh, and I think that's, a, that's interesting. I think that's a really important framework for like those kind of questions because like nothing is badly produced anymore, unless it's a deliberate take upon deliberately badly producing it. But then even then, that's a, that's a that's within a bubble. Yeah, um, I think things are always going to be well produced, but it's going to be whether the music itself is something which is genuinely like striking a chord, like beyond that. Um, mm. I think that, I think that's a really good insight. I'd not thought about it that way, but you're completely right. Because, um, like, I was I was playing this game earlier um, called Jump Force. It's very bad. It sucks. Isn't that that movie with the, the, the guinea pigs? Yeah, yeah, I loved that movie. Um, absolute banger. <laughs> G Force was the joke, by the way, guys, just to make sure. Yeah, um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I actually couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> but it knew it had Force somewhere. It had guinea pigs. Yeah, something. Force Awakens. The game. The game has pers- perfectly good music, but like it's it's just that it's just perfectly yeah. good music. There's it's, nothing. It's functional. It's fine. Yeah, like you hear it and you're like, yeah. that's, that's, that sure is music. Um, <laughs> my, my, that is a song. But like, I think that that's what refers to the rest of the, the OST, the original soundtrack for Frozen 2. But for, mm. for Elsa's two songs, they stand out and like very deliberately so. But the orchestration behind the songs as well is just as good for her songs. The mm. Anna song at the end, which you forgot the name of, was Do the Next Right Thing. It, the orchestration for that's perfectly good too, but it's not as good as the songs. And they clearly, they clearly wrote for Adina, right? Like they, you know, you know what they knew what they were oh, doing. Yeah. This is what I was trying rather inarticulately failing to say earlier is is that like clearly the thing they poured their heart and soul and creative energy into that they being the frozen two people um was like right we need to top let it go and so all of the fire or you know ice i suppose of this film is packed into those two songs and actually what you're saying about the way the leitmotif functions um makes a lot of sense because the thing that came out of like by having kind of two songs which are the the two anthemic 
memorable, catchy, punchy Adina Menzel, her most Adinarian Menzeli. Yep. Um, Perfect conjugation, like, no issues there. <laughs> <laughs> um, by having it like have two songs, it almost <laughs> sort of echoes that structure of call and response. And so instead of one single song being the takeaway, the thing that you take away is the motif. Like I love those TikToks of where like you know someone oh there's an amazing one where like a dad is sat in like a a food court in a mall in america somewhere and he just sort of does the opening elsa call and someone far off in the mall returns yeah with the answering yeah. motif it's so good they're so um, good i think there's a as you were saying that it's actually is 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 important there's two things to note for the idea of there being two songs i think the first is that like as you say those songs exist externally as narrative frameworks for the movie the first song is the setting up of her of her like issues and the beginning of the movie i mean obviously it's a disney movie they're going to set up a bit of an issue and by the third act they're going to resolve it right that I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of the framework but you have the middle act and you have this third act where she she does resolve it um and there's also the twist which is a very classic disney thing to do but like those two songs they literally frame the movie mm. and you can see that both also by the light motif because it's the beginning and end of the light motif essentially like within those two songs is pretty much the content of that light motif and how it how it shapes it is pretty much yeah. what i was trying to say earlier um i think the other important thing to note is that i would say let it go is better than each song from the second one individually but collectively i would say that they're probably better than let it go yes and i think that is that was a, a genius move because when i watched it for the first time you kind of you have into the unknown which is right up at the beginning of the film and to be honest in a similar place to where let it go was because that was pretty early on as well and that that breathtaking moment where she slides out and she reaches like out the for the the, the, the icicles like, yeah yeah like high up in the air suspended on her own kind of ice creations that she's been making whilst dancing and singing um and the song ends and she just kind of, the air like splits into these frozen diamonds and it just makes you go. Yeah, and you get the shivers. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you kind of, you have that moment where you're like, that's impressive. That's incredible. That as a visual like freeze frame is is super good. And you kind of go, okay, so that was the Let It Go of Frozen 2. Great. Probably wasn't as good as Let It Go, but I liked it. And like you're, you're set off with it and you're like, okay, now the story begins. And then... Yeah. Well, you just kind of you you have your guard down, and maybe maybe I'm overdoing this. Maybe not everyone went through this particular roller coaster, but of like you know you told me that there was like another big song, so I was kind of like okay, but that was clearly the one that was trying. Yeah, to be and then and then and then we had Christoph's song, and you realise what I was talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh hell yeah, um, no. But then, oh, show yourself is by far and away one of my favourite Disney songs ever, I think. And that is a, a, a big old claim. But um, I just, yeah, that kind of excitement in her voice, which, oh, it's just so, it's just so good. Um, I don't know how we're here, but we are. <laughs> we are. We very much are. We're an hour and ten minutes into here. I do have a yeah. final closing question for you, though. <laughs> Have unlimited bacon. Have unlimited bacon. Or games. But no games. Unlimited games. games. Some games. No games. Unlimited (laughs) games and no games. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this train wreck. We love you all dearly, and we shall see you soon. And that is the end of the podcast. If you liked it, let us know and maybe tell a friend. Until next week, have a good one. Bye.